Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, welcome back to Surviving Hollywood. I'm Johnny Ray Diaz. I am Aaron Arnold. Austin Arnold. And I uh, hope you guys are doing good out there, staying safe and healthy during these crazy times. Uh, again, we're just hanging out on the pod. And today, actually, this is our, our first uh, guest that um, is uh, dealing on the representation side of things. So Big uh, it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty cool to have somebody that uh, can kind of give us the insight into how things work, you know. Um, so we had a uh, manager, Jess Canty, who is uh, – a manager and also uh, yep, co-founder older. of uh, yeah, Sentara Pictures um, Entertainment. And uh, it was cool talking to her because uh, we've known Jess for many years. Uh, we've actually all, we actually all worked with her on uh, Palisade Justice. What was that? I don't even know how long ago. How long ago was that? Multiple years. That was, <laughs> yeah, that was just a fun series that eventually one day we'll see the light of day, I hope. If only um, Crackle hadn't gone under. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, we worked with her like plenty of times since then because because um, we work with her husband so much. We always see her and she sometimes directs our shorts or right. you know, we're always humor, humor endorphins, humor endorphins. Check us. Check us out, guys. We're still we still exist in the ether of YouTube. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, she she was uh, directing, uh, you know, that project. And then she later created this to kind of produce things because she's also a writer. And then it eventually turned into a management company. Now she's got like over 50 clients. Um, and the management uh, company people, is no. really uh, reaching uh, new levels of success every year. I'd say it's a fast moving train and anybody in our audience uh, would want to jump on that Sentara train. Um, and actually I thought in this uh, podcast, really uh, a lot of wisdom was dropped. I felt from Jess, like she came at it straightforward. This is what I think from the management side. This is what I feel actors do not get. Um, and if you're wondering about management and how to deal with management, uh, I think this is the, the definitive podcast for you. If you're wondering when is the right time, how much percent, you know, what is, what is the typical thing nowadays and how to act and engage and stay on a manager's radar, then this is a perfect episode. Yeah, I, I think she had just, like you said, like Aaron said, a, a wealth of information, just a lot of wisdom and, uh, you know, also just sort of like demystifying the manager role. And I, I think she made a good emphasis of talking about how a manager really is working for you. And I think a lot of times as actors, we always forget that we're like, oh, you know, I just don't, I don't want to upset them. I don't want to, you know. How can I please you? How can I please you? Yeah. Do I send gifts? What do I do? And then she talks about sending gifts, what she might want. I, I don't know. <laughs> Christmas yeah. comes once a year. There it goes. Uh, so it was a really good episode. I think you guys will enjoy it. So on a professional side, it's been really hard, you know, like, um, Hollywood, uh, you know, for the most part, is still pretty shut down, and and obviously has been, and uh, and so, you know, at the beginning, I think I was very much like doing what a lot of people were doing, where it was like, okay, so the kind of living day to day, right, taking it one day at a time. Um, <clears throat> but I think you know, Bold and the Beautiful announced that they were coming back. Like I, I don't know. I don't know what time is anymore, like two or three weeks ago. And then like yeah. a day after they started shooting, they shut down again. Um, wow. 
And like just one day? I didn't know they yeah. shut down again. They shut down again, tempor- and then I think they're back to shooting again since then. But when that happened, I was like, this, I need to, I need to figure out, I can't keep running my business like at two week intervals, right? Like I need to figure out what the pivot is in this reality for the next six months, right? Or for the next, until there's a vaccine when, you know, that's really the only time that the business is going to be back at the level it was before, essentially, it right? Was before, right? right. Um, there will be places where, you know, like Tyler Perry will keep shooting because he can fly everyone out to Atlanta on his private jet. When and, you have your own studio, yeah, and uh, like, you know. And the way he shoots is amazing. You know, he crossboards all of his shows. And, and so if you're an actor on one of his shows, you go out there for, you know, if you have a recurring role or something, you go out there for a week and you shoot 10 episodes in a week, right? Like his... The way he does production already is very, um, it's already kind of set up for this world, but you know, not everyone can shoot that way and not every project is, is conducive to shooting that way. So I think there will be, you know, there, be, there will be these pockets of places and shows that'll make it happen. There'll be content written that is pen, a little bit more pandemic proof. Um, right. And then, you know, but then, the rest of us are going to have to figure out how to keep ourselves creatively engaged and, and keep ourselves motivated until, you know, until it's really, really is safe. So you, so you might not have quite figured it out. Cause I think most of us really haven't, but yeah. you were kind of talking about a pivot. Yeah. What do you think that is that pivot for you? Like, what do you think is the new, maybe the new thing you can try or, yeah. I don't it, know. It's funny. I, you know, I started, Sintera as a production company. And then when I added the management side of the company, that sort of in this really awesome way kind of took over. Um, And so now I'm sort of looking back to using this time for development, using this time to kind of re-engage on the, on the production side. I've been, you know, we're on, there's a couple of websites out there where if you have producing credits, you can join them as a producer so there's one called ink tip and there's one called virtual pitch fest and like you're you can look at scripts and read scripts and um so i've kind of had more time to be engaged in that side of things and really both looking for things that the company can potentially produce or or develop and or looking for things that would be right to put our clients in right ultimately um and so for me, it's sort of a pivot back to what the company was originated as. And it's interesting because, you know, I started the company, um, I started producing in 2008, right? So it was right at the height of the last crisis. Um, and so, you know, I think, uh, but I think for actors, you know, I said to, um, I have a blog that I just put out to my clients and just a way of staying in touch with them. And, um, and for actors, I, I think the pivot needs to be sort of similar, right? It needs to be, what is the thing that you, that has been on the back burner for you creatively yeah. that you haven't had time to do? So if you have always wanted to learn how to use like Adobe Premiere, or if you've always wanted to, you know, see what it's like to try your hand at writing a screenplay, 
you have time now to read Sid Field's book and to read the Save the Cat books and to like dive into then actually, you know, like if you, if this really is going to go on for the next six to eight months, that's enough time to finish a screenplay or first a really solid first draft of one. Um, and that's hard to do if you're having to balance your day job and run off to auditions all the time. And so, right. you know, I think, I think it's, um, but I also think learning how to edit is super important for an actor these days and can save you tons of money because you can go edit your own reel, right? Make those reels, yeah. Make those reels and, and, and grab your footage, you know, when, as soon as it airs and, and cut it down into something you can put up on Actors Access and casting networks immediately, right? You're not waiting on other people for that if you have that skill. Photoshop's the same thing, you know, like, if you've always wanted to learn how to touch up headshots, learn how to do that now. So it's, I think it's that, you know, and even not, you know, skills that maybe just are good for start taking voice lessons. If you need to improve your singing voice as an actor or whatever those things are. You oh, know? Still working on that. I, you know, for some reason, I'm not getting those auditions. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But I think it's and now is the time to dive into that stuff. And, and I also said, you know, maybe now's a time to pivot in your day job, right? So if, you're, if you're working in restaurants, uh, those are not going to be a great place to um, continue being the kind of partner job to your acting. And I could go on and on about why it's not even in normal times. I think restaurants are, can be hard places for actors to actually try to work a day job. So maybe it is time to go get a teaching credential, right? So you can hmm. substitute, so that you can teach or so you can substitute teach and work in a job that's gonna still be audition friendly, but is gonna maybe fulfill you more or is gonna be, you know, actually more conducive to you being able to balance the acting and the day job whenever, you know what I mean? Whether there's a pandemic or not. What are your, what are your clients kind of telling you, talking, telling you, are they like more, are they, I'm sorry, I feel like they're probably worried, but are they, do you feel like they're in constant communication with you? Like, Hey, what's going on? Are things picking up? Is Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I, one of the things when I started the management side of the business, I basically sat down with a bunch of actor friends of mine and said, you know, what have you loved about your representation? What have you hated about your representation? Let me not do the hated things. Um, and what the was big, the top, what was the top hated thing? Yeah, the top like, hate was that communication problem, right? Okay. It, it's okay. the, I have this manager and it was great for the first X, you know, two weeks, month, whatever. And now I don't hear from them. Right. Um, and I was like, well, that's easy to fix. Um, and I think that's part of where the like sort of idea of having a client facing blog came from on my part is that like at least once a week I'm posting something that everyone has access to so that they know that I'm there and available. And I think that has helped my clients feel comfortable emailing me and contacting me and texting me whenever they have something on their minds. Right. Um, and so, yeah. And so, you know, I've, there's people that are seriously freaked out by this and rightly so. And because, you know, I have, I have clients who are super development who are right at the beginning of their careers. And now I'm basically like, you're on pause. <laughs> Great time um, to, to start. <laughs> exactly. um, because, you know, I think unfortunately for the moment, those, a lot of those co-star roles are going to go away just from a 
mindset safety point of view, right? That, that writing rooms are going to be encouraged not to write in 15 co-stars in an episode because that's 15 more bodies that you need to keep track of on set. And can you write a scene that, you know, doesn't have the one liner from the building manager or whatever it is, um, which is, which I hate because, you know, those are those, those are those credits everyone needs to, to start to get their careers going. I also have clients who, you know, had their biggest, um, they shot things last summer and they aired in April, right? And their, it, their biggest credits aired in April and May and they don't get to take advantage of the, that momentum right now. Right. Um, and so that's super hard. I mean, look, being an actor in this town is the hardest job in the world. Like, it just is. It's it's more competitive than, you know, I think I heard somewhere that like being a screenwriter is like more competitive than trying to be like a football player. Um, so nobody ever said this was going to be easy, but so maybe I should play football. Maybe yeah, that's exactly. I know. It's the, it's the size, the size and the talent is probably part of the reason why I can't do it. Exactly. That could be, that could be, might, your, be, might your be a problem. Pivot. That'll be your pivot. Right. Um, <laughs> But yeah, but you know, it's like, but this is an unprecedented hardship that is just um, on top of something that is already super hard. However, I think actors are, and artists in general, are actually really poised to handle this a lot better because you never have a guarantee. You know what I mean? Your whole, everyone's art lives as artists are spent hustling for the next job and having to get creative and having to wait and having weird dry spells and stuff. So, you know, I think some, somehow also, I think a lot of my actors are dealing with this maybe better than someone who is used to going to a nine to five and that's not there anymore. And generally speaking, we get this question from our audience a lot. Yeah. What, how, what would you say, when is the right time to first get a manager in your opinion? Uh, yes. Um, that is a, that's a tough one. I, I actually think, and it depends on the manager. Um, there are, I think that you can, there's an argument to be made for getting a manager first, right? That if you find someone that you think really gets you artistically, and they just see it and you guys just vibe and this is a partner, you feel like you're gonna have a partner. Um, that person is then going to help introduce you to an agent that is going to be right for you, right? Like I think that's, you know, manager, managers, one of my biggest jobs is like making sure my clients are with the right agent. Um, and so it's my, it's incumbent upon me to have relationships with lots of different agents and who specialize in lots of different things and, you know, and have, you know, there are some agents that are really great with comedy clients and there and have all of those casting contacts. And there are some agents that, you know, really, really excel and have a ton of contacts in film. And so I think there's an argument to be made for bringing on a manager first, right? Because then you potentially can kind of skip the, and I know I'm, my, my colleagues on the representation side are going to come, you know, burn my, my door down, but you, can you skip, don't need an agent. You can no. skip that. Well, there's a level of agency, unfortunately, you know, the business in LA is so um, mature that 
there is a level of agency that is great for IMDb because it says you have an agent, but it's unclear that you're, that it's going to move the needle for your career more than, you know, you just self-submitting at that point, right? Because because they don't, they may or may not have the contacts and stuff. And so I think getting a manager first can help you potentially skip over that as your sort of starter agent. Um, and you can potentially have your first agent be a company that is just going to be a little bit more reputable, right? Because it, they're a company that only takes referrals, right? And so that's, that's what that manager does for you is that they're able to get you seen by um, a really awesome boutique that works really hard for their clients, has the contacts, you know, has the respect from casting and, and will be able to get you those jobs. Um, and I think sometimes those agencies where you self-submit on your own and you don't need that referral, potentially, and this is not all of them, but there's a few of them that, you know, I, I haven't seen a lot of, um, I haven't seen a lot of results from those. And I end up, if someone, if I end up taking on someone that's with one of those agencies, ultimately I end up moving them to a boutique, right? Um, because they just aren't, because, you know, in my experience, they just aren't getting the traction and, and we find that most of their auditions start coming from my submissions and they're still coming from their own self submissions. And the agent's happy to close the deal, right? Um, and, you know, they do that part of the job. But, but I think, you know, ultimately, your team should be rowing the boat in the same direction. Um, and, and that's not to say that there isn't, there are some, you know, starter agencies out there and there are some agents that they've, you know, they've come from a bigger place and they start their own agency and they may not be well known, but they do have the contacts and they are killing it for their clients. So a manager is going to help you figure out who those people are versus, you know, when you're an actor and you're just looking through IMDb and you're seeing all these companies, you're trying to figure out who should represent you. I think that's a tall order without someone in your corner who knows these people, right? I'm in Facebook groups with these people. I see them at events. I go to, you know, <laughs> I used to go to, uh, you know, showcases and see them and get to eat, you know, weird hotel pastries with them before the showcase started. Um, so, you know, I know who, who is working hard for their clients and, and I know who's moved companies and all of that. So I'm a big proponent for getting a manager early and potentially first. So <clears throat> that was uh, interesting. So, you know, obviously nobody wants to waste their own time. So get um, a manager first who you click with and then they'll help you avoid agents who won't work who aren't going to do uh, as good as job but like besides finding a manager that you click with surely there are managers you want to avoid too like what should they oh yeah i mean i loop <laughs> i loop management there are bad managers here too or there are there are non-effective managers um as well and so yeah. So like, that's the thing. If you are, if you're just starting out and you're sending out, you know, submissions, self submissions to agencies and managers, and you happen to find an agent that you click with first, that's at a, you know, reputable company. I'm talking like IMDb company meter, you know, 500, you know, definitely like a thousand or below. Um, then awesome. Great. Like I, you know, it's, it's, 
I guess the better way of kind of answering this question is, I think actors would do well to remember that they are entrepreneurs. They are building, you are, if you end up as an A-list actor, right? You have a payroll, you have your agent, your manager, your lawyer, your publicist, your glam squad. Um, you're running a business and you're hiring all of these people. And I think unfortunately, um, the town is set up a little bit to make it feel like it's the other way around, right? It's, you feel like CAA is hiring you. <laughs> but right. that's, not the, that's not the case. Acting exists and frankly existed for you know centuries before there was ever such a thing as an agent or a manager. And it exists without us in its pure form. And frankly, I think that's why these companies build these big offices because we know that we don't, we need you more than you need us. Um, the best scenario is when it truly is a partnership and when, but you as an actor, I think actors would do well to think of it that way, right? You are hiring, you're making your first hire for your company, which is the company of you and the brand of you. So your first to hire might be an agent. Your first hire might be a manager. Um, you know, your, your agent is your, you know, director of sales. Your manager is your director of operations in this company of you. Um, so who do you want to bring on first if you're an entrepreneur? There's arguments to be made for bringing on the sales team first. If you watch, if you watch, you know, Shark Tank, there's arguments to be made for bringing on. Love the, that show. Yeah, I love that show too. Yeah. Every actor should watch that show. Every actor, every actor should watch that show because that show teaches you who is successful at selling their idea and selling themselves well and what and but again, it's like, are you bringing on your operations team or are you bringing on your sales team? Ultimately, you will need both right? Ultimately, you will need an agent and a manager. And then from there, you will need a legal team. And then you will need a PR team. It is no different than building your own company. Um, so it's just a matter of like, you know, which one you kind of find first. And I think if you go into it with that mentality, it helps to identify, you know, who's going to be great. Because, the, because I get just as many client referrals from agents that I work with, right? As the other way around. So I've worked with agents and they're like, I have this great guy or gal and they just really need help on their branding and their, you know, and they need someone to lean on and I don't have time. Would you take a look? Right. And so I'm like, they're basically saying I can do my sales, but we need a director of operations. And be, well, besides the referral, um, what is the best way for a new actor to submit to a manager? Yeah. Cause we know you're not reading the email. We see that you saw it, but we don't see the action. You want to know if you actually read it. So yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, I think part of the thing is understanding the ebb and flow of the business um, and, and, and knowing the right time to submit, right? So um, if you just book something awesome on your own, that's right after that that's a great time to now start to go because it's like, I just booked, you know, a co-star on whatever. Um, and I did it on my own and now I need someone to help me, you know, like help me keep getting more of this or help me with the momentum. Right. Or right. So for your own personal thing, you know, waiting until you have something to brag about um, that is, 
going to signify that there is money to be made. And I know that's like, you know, it's, it's, that's a hard thing to think about, but we all want it. But, but that's the thing is like, you are entering a business relationship here. So you have to, in that, when you are reaching out, it, it has to kind of show the people, show us on this side, the money a little bit, right? Just that there's the potential for the money somewhere down the line. Um, you know, I think submitting to a new agent, if submitting to an agent or a manager in the middle of January or February, too late, right? Pilot season is already going. Um, and if you aren't, and that's the thing is like, if I get that and then that comes into my, my submissions inbox in that time, I'm kind of like, well, this person doesn't, isn't paying attention to the business because they should know that I am completely overwhelmed trying to read, you know, 60 pilot scripts so that I can submit my roster that I solidified back in late November of the year before, early December of the year before, so that I knew who I was going into pilot season with, right? Um, so, and by the same token, like, you know, typically this time of year is a really good time to, in when we're not in pandemic lands, this time of year is a really good time to be looking for agents and managers, right? It's after pilot, it's before episodic really gets going you run into a little bit that people are going on vacations. Again, I'm talking, you know, non-pandemic world. Right. But, but um, so now there's this added thing of, you know, you're now reaching out to someone who potentially hasn't been able to make any money as an agent for five months and maybe they've been furloughed or maybe, you know, or so there's, there's some extra kind of, things on top of it right now. Um, but I think that still goes to my point of paying attention to the business, right? Paying attention to where and thinking about these people that you're submitting to, what is going on in their lives, pandemic or not, in terms of when you are submitting. So, um, so if it's not pandemic, it's like, don't submit in the middle of pilot season because they're, they don't have time to look at your email then, right? Um, but, you know, submitting in August and you've just finished shooting a really kick-ass short film with a group of friends of yours and, you know, you guys think you're going to be able to get it on Amazon, I'll take a look at that email. You know what I mean? Um, Is there I, anything specific in like just like maybe in the subject heading or in yeah. the body of the email that really hey, would draw your attention. To yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I just had a meeting with Spielberg. Uh, I wonder if you want to take a meeting with me. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I had someone submit to me and they wrote this really fantastic query letter. It was funny. They are a comedian. Um, you know, all of their footage was comedy stuff. So the email was really kind of irreverent and funny. It was approaching, like it was right on the line of being like going too far with the hey asshole kind of thing. You know what I mean? But they did it right. Like they, they didn't cross that line. And I was like, all right, I'll set up a meeting with them. And nice. this, was, this was during pandemic. 
And, you know, I wasn't, and I definitely wasn't looking to add to my roster, but I was kind of like, ugh, that query letter was just, it's intriguing. It was intriguing. It hit the right tone. And then they had the footage and the credits and stuff to back it up. And it turned out to be Chris D'Elia. Uh, <laughs> that, that didn't work out too well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, it, was, it wasn't that, but, but, you know, scheduled the Zoom and, um, and we get on the Zoom and this person had just gotten out of the pool um, had not dried their hair and was in a robe. Interesting. Ah, Sexy. Meanwhile, more peculiar. I'm. Who is this guy? Uh, <laughs> you know, meanwhile, I'm. I took a shower that morning and I, I put on my makeup and I got dressed in a professional thing. Um, and I turned on the, you know, the lights in my office so that you could see my face and get to know me. And so. You know, that, that it was this, um, a lot, I, I find that people can shoot them, unfortunately shoot themselves in the foot, right? So I think um, in terms of the query letter about yourself, um, short, sweet, down to business, right? Um, what are the credits that you have lately? What do you bring to the table? Um, you know, what do you need to help? What, why are you choosing me? Mm. I will tell you the, the absolute number one reason why I do not answer an email is because I can tell it is a form letter that is an IMBC seed on it. Right. right. You're just copying you're, and pasting basically. You're managing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? If you can't take the time with my name, at least. <laughs> yeah, at least figure out how to use like mail merge and like, <laughs> you know, and like have the spreadsheet and that automatically sticks my name in. But I will tell you the ones I answer are the ones where it's like, I can tell they've gone to my company's website. They're referencing something maybe deep on the website, either from my bio or from our other clients or from, you know, something and not all management companies have detailed websites right so if they don't have detailed websites google the person maybe they've been interviewed by you know the maybe they've been on a podcast like this right, right. so listen to the you know listen read something and then say hey i saw your interview uh, in the hollywood reporter i really loved what you said about yada 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 yeah, you know, I heard you on this podcast. I really loved what you said about, you know, this, that, and the other. I think our philosophies about the business are in line with each other. And I really need someone like you on my team. And then here's what I bring. Here's what I bring to the table, right? I have this credit, this credit. Here's my real, you know, that's the person I want to talk to. Right. I right. saw you were a Trump supporter. Me too. We should yeah, just connect. Exactly. exactly. Half yeah. the country is. Half the country is. Hey. Uh, so just out of, curiosity, out of curiosity, because uh, I always wonder what to put on this part. I feel like the subject line is like a yeah, difficult right. thing to put because like, it's like you, do you want to be like kind of cheeky with it or do you want it to be professional? I, I feel yeah. like I end up just doing like representation submission or something because I don't yeah. know what to put. Um, and I think some of that, like, you know, I, 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 it is truly hard. It's hard on this side too, right? Like it's, it's hard when I'm pitching people to, um, to agents and potentially pitching them to someone I don't know personally. Right. And so then I have to be like, well, what am I putting in the subject line? 
again, I think, um, I think it's okay to just be like, you know, um, looking for new representation or in the market for new representation and then making sure that you're being really personable and, and specific in the letter. Um, or if you feel like there's something that you can put in the subject line to grab the person because you've read an interview with them, right? Because you know that they're, you heard that their favorite, you know, that they love like summer because they like love stone fruit or something like that. And you heard that in a podcast that they were on. Like if that, you know, it can, sh they, it can show that you're engaged and it's a cute way of doing Like I love peaches too. Like heard you on this. I love peaches too, or whatever it is. Right. And then get, but then if you do that and you gotta be super professional in the letter, right. To right. make it that you're not just kind of relying on the, but again, I think that speaks to, you might have a different subject line for every single person that you're emailing, right? Mm. And I think it's actually more productive to find five managers or five agents or whatever it is that you actually really think you vibe with, right? That you've done the deep dive on those five people because you're potentially hiring someone to this business of you for the next 20 years if it goes right. So this is your, your think of it as you're starting off this relationship that could last the rest of your career now with this first email. And how do you want to start off that relationship? Right. Um, and how do you want to, and so I think, you know, and I think too, putting in, you know, just booked better things, like put that in the subject line, if you have something like that, right. Looking for new representation, just booked better things. I'm going to open that. Right. Because if Pamela Adlon thinks that you're awesome and I think Pamela is pretty awesome, then I'm going to at least go see what you're about, you know? And just for our, our audience, what special fruit do you like if they want to put that in? Oh, they should, they should message her, hey, heard you don't like robes, because then... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take a shower before the meeting. I am a stone fruit girl. I actually did, I just heard that in a podcast. So I totally stole that from, from a podcast <laughs> I just listened to. Um, but yeah, I am a, I am a summer stone fruit girl. If I had to pick one, I think it would be a nectarine. So, so uh, male Jess nectarines. Uh, what's your address, Jess? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Send me free nectarines. will get your representation. <laughs> so I'm always actually uh, kind of curious to, when, and you, you kind of came in on this question also, yeah. but when you're getting initial breakdowns, like obviously you have a roster, you know, of so many actors, yeah. is there a way or a method that, that I, you kind of keep track of everybody? Because I feel like, you know, when you have so many clients, sometimes people can kind of get forgotten. Yeah. Um, so how do you, how does it, how do you, how do you handle that? I guess. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the nice thing about being a manager is that, you know, typically we have less clients on our rosters um, than agents do. And, and frankly, you know, there's some agents in town that have like 300 or more clients and I don't know how they do that. Um, and yet they, I have, you know, I share clients with agents like that and they get auditions. So somehow they're managing that. Right. And I don't know, I, I didn't ever work at an agency that had rosters of that size. So I, I don't know the process for that. Um, for myself, you know, I think, um, I don't know that I've ever like forgotten someone because again, my roster has never been that big, but I will say that, um, you know, that communication thing is 
super important again i and this is why i try to reframe the paradigm for all my clients if it is your business and you are hiring me then you are technically responsible for keeping in touch with me right as the manager um and and building learning how to build a relationship with the people that you've hired to um work for your career i think is something that actors could do better at in general that i often hear you know i haven't talked to my agent in 6 months well whose fault is that and to me it's incumbent upon the actor to make sure that doesn't happen so you know are you sending you know are you sending a email once a month to your representation just to say thank you just to say thank you i know i know the business is tough right now i know that there's only a few breakdowns out um every but here's some nectarines but yeah but it but that's you know? the thing it actually you'd be surprised like i actually like I, and i know you're like i will take nectarines but a lot of people <laughs> clients of people, if your clients are listening yeah, or, exactly. or a gift card or a gift card yeah <laughs> but i think but that's the thing is i think people think that they need to send a gift and it's like I will tell you the actors on my roster that I work the hardest for are the ones that just take the time to say thank you once in a while literally out of the blue that 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 goes further than you know a bottle of alcohol I probably shouldn't be consuming anyway <laughs> and you know what I mean um so it's you know it's those and that's the relationship building stuff that's the stuff where it's It's not that people forget about you, it's that you've allowed yourself to be forgotten because you are not keeping them engaged. You are not saying and you've got to be out there, you know, that's the other thing is like even if you don't have a ton of stuff to talk about because you haven't had a lot of auditions or you don't have a lot of footage or whatever, you're doing something, right? Hey, I read this great book about, you know, I just read Jenna Fisher's book and it was so awesome and like, you know, I I just I wanted to I don't know if you've heard of it, but I wanted to say thank you and let you know that I'm let you know that I'm doing everything on my end or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Just just some little way of keeping in touch. And now I say that the flip side of that is like obviously don't overdo that, right? Don't, like don't bother people. Don't, don't bombard right. people. but and that's that that's that like business kind of sense that business flow of like you should never go for more than a month without being in communication in some way with your representation so if it has been more than a month find an excuse to reach out to them and again the excuse can just be hey i know this you know i know this time has been really hard i'm super appreciative of being on your roster and having you believe in me. That's it. You know, it doesn't have to be big and fancy, right? But I it's like then your name's in front of them, right? Again. And so um and schedule, you know, you should be seeing them and now I you know, it used to be in person, but you should be setting up a meeting with your representation at least twice a year. They should see your face. Now it's going to be probably over Zoom, but they should see your face. at least twice a year 
and just to check in, send them a gift, send them a Starbucks gift card and schedule and say, can we schedule a zoom? I've just bought you coffee. Like I would normally buy you coffee, right? But can we hop on a zoom for 15 minutes and just check in and talk about my goals for the next six months? A game plan, whatever. Yeah. Let's game plan. Let's, you know, and if your agent doesn't want to do that with you, then maybe cut cut them. Yeah, seriously. Like maybe, maybe this person actually isn't on your team anymore or, or they, they aren't the right partner for you. And, um, and you know, again, they may not have time to sit down for a lunch every week, but if they won't, if they won't hop on a 10 minute zoom with you twice a year, then like, I'm fully fine to say that person is not right for you. Um, just, I'm wondering also when you do have breakdowns of stuff, what is, uh, what's your initial pitch process for trying to get a client in the room, whether they have credits or they don't, um, just kind of wondering how that goes with casting. How does that kind of, um, you know, I think, uh, I think it depends on the casting director, right? And so part of that is knowing which casting directors respond well to, email pitches, which casting directors respond well to phone pitches, um, which casting directors that I have relationships with versus if my client has an agent, I might actually pitch my agent to then go pitch, right? So I might know that if my client that I share with like DDO, and I know Anthony has a great agent with, or great relationship with X casting office because I watched their Instagram and I see that they book a lot with this casting office or whatever it is, or I just happen to know that he's close with them, I will probably call him up or email him and say, hey, did you spot this for our shared client? I know you're super busy. You may not have thought of her for this or thought of him for this, but I think they would be great for it. Would you pitch, right? Um, And then, you know, 99% of the time that agent is going to be like, Oh my God, yes, totally awesome. Either, or they'll come back and be like, just called 10 minutes ago because I had the same thought. Right. And then that's the best because I'm like, great. I'm on the same page with the agent. Um, if it's not, you're not pitching for every submission, right. Or are you? No, no, no. I mean, I, you know, like most of the time one doesn't pitch for co-stars, you know what I mean? Like it's just because casting, they can barely like they sure. can barely keep up with the pitches that are coming in for like big roles but for like um, a guest or like a series yeah, role yeah then... guest series regular you know i i there's a series regular role last week on a show and i have a development client who like the breakdown could not have been more spot on for her like just beyond like it was like if you were writing her biography and put it into a character it would be this um hmm. So I sent an email and you know, this casting director does not know this client. And I was like, Hey, you haven't had a, you, you have never met this, my client. Um, but she is so spot on for this that I would love it. If you would, if we could get her in there to tape for you, because I just don't think you're going to be disappointed here. I know she can nail this role. And I know that you are going to be excited mm-hmm. to see what she does with it because she's so perfect for it. And the casting director was like, yeah, let's try it out, right? So, you know, I think some of it is that, you know, the right role has to come, has to come along too. Um, and that speaks to, you know, it was interesting because um, 
she, we just kind of did a rebranding on her in the last six months. And all of a sudden this role now fits the branding that we've moved towards. And so it was so cool to, to see that all kind of come together, right? Um, like gener generally speaking, what did this person go from to like? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like most actors, she went from having a profile on the breakdowns that was a little bit of everything, right? It was like, here's my comedy, here's my drama. I, you know, she's, she's got, she's a brunette. So like, and she's got Italian heritage, which sometimes can cross over into looking Latinx, but she's not actually Latinx. And so I was like, let's move away from that because you're not authentically that thing. Rachel like, Dolezal, yeah, seriously. Well, yeah, but it's not, it's not that, it's that like the town perceives, you know, it's like what the town- it's how they, they visually see you that way, so that's just- Yeah, and it's like, you know, yeah. I'm sorry, but like Italian is not that far from like Spain, which a lot of Spanish people can play. Yeah. So it's just, it's, I hate all of those labels because it's just yeah. mess. But, um, but we did move away from, from positioning her that way because it wasn't authentic. And then all of a sudden a role comes around that is looking for someone with Italian heritage. And now that's all we're positioning her as. And so it's like, then it makes sense to casting because they're not, they're not when they look into her profile, they're not seeing, you know, like they're not seeing 10 different versions of her um, that, that are all over the place. So. Um, I know we have five minutes left with you, Jess, and I know I had a few last questions. Yeah, um, I can, and if you want to go a little longer, I'm, I'm down. It's up to you guys. I love it. Um, how, there's no set, like, rate for how much a manager gets. Like, with agents, it's, yeah. um. It's the law. Yeah. yeah, there's, there's regulation. Yeah. And managers, I mean, the unofficial rate is, like, 15%. Often, sometimes, depending on the client, they'll do 10 yeah. What's your view on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's moved towards 10 for sure. Um, I think it's, you know, I, I think back in the day when managers were kind of fun or, and I think if you have a manager ultimately that's kind of functioning as a manager and a business manager for you, I understand the 15%, right? If they're, if they're sort of also running the money for your acting company, um, to some extent, you know, if you're incorporated and they're, and they're involved with, you know, kind of facilitating that, I can understand why that extra 5% exists. Um, if you're not repped yet, like if you don't have an agent yet, I can understand the extra 5% because your manager is in a position to close deals, which technically, if we're talking about California law, is illegal. Um, the agent's supposed to do that, right? Right. Well, they, close a deal, essentially. They, you, according to California law, the only people that can procure work for you are a bonded state licensed agent because they have a fiduciary responsibility to their clients. Do managers across LA break that rule every single day? Oh, the truth comes out. Day, right? <laughs> of course. However... I never want to be in that position. Like if I bring on someone that's development and I, and they don't yet have an agent, like my priority one is getting an agent because I do not want to be closing deals for them because I do not be, want to be running afoul of that. Sure. Um, 
However, if they get a job opportunity and, you know, there's, there's ways around that where, you know, they actually just have to close the deal themselves, but they're still, are they still asking me to look at the contract and make sure that it makes sense? Of course. Um, so, you know, I, with all of that, I understand the extra kind of 5% in that scenario where the manager is sort of taking on these agency duties and putting themselves at a little bit of risk for doing that. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think if you're going into a meeting and, and it's a smaller management company and they're demanding 15%, like, and you don't feel comfortable with that and they really want you, tell them you won't sign with them unless it's 10, you know, it, negotiate. Like, Again, that's that thing of like, you are hiring them, not the other way around. Um, yeah. If they really want you, they'll do it for 10%. You know? They'll do it for five if they really want you. <laughs> they'll do it for free, maybe not. Right. If you're like A-list. Do it for free. We do it yeah. for free. So. Yeah. They'll pay you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Nah. Yes, and I hope all of your listeners know this, but like never, ever, 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 ever pay to be repped. Ever. Damn it. Even just like a flat 60 bucks for the year. <laughs> okay. That, no, seriously. No, that's $100 annually. I think that's the most common one. Yeah. To like host you on their site or something. That, yeah, exactly. It's BS. And it is not. And I, it makes me so angry because it, it demeans what I do, right? It demeans my part of the profession um, because real companies do not do that. And it takes advantage of actors. And I do not like people that take advantage of actors because acting is hard enough. Um, and you, so yeah, so like you should never pay to play ever, unless you're making your own content and then you're, you know, you're putting your own blood, sweat and tears into it or something like that. And that, that should be the only way that you're quote paying to play, meaning that you're not paying yourself for the thing that you're creating, right? Um, but you're paying with your time and all that. But yeah, never pay anyone other than other than the commission that they are owed. True. Johnny, final questions? So many, but um, well, I know, uh, you know, I'm always kind of, I'm just kind of curious as well, because I know uh, I did look at, you know, roster and stuff like that. And, um, you know, some clients you have have bigger agencies and you kind of touched on this in a little bit on the beginning, but uh do you feel like you might hear my cat so apologies <laughs> is it clyde clyde, clyde. How, how's he doing he's great can he hear us uh he can With one ear he, uh, yeah. he just woke up so i apologize oh that's okay um no so i was just kind of curious like uh, some of your clients have uh bigger agencies and yeah. stuff like that do you find that working with a bigger agency that's not a boutique is obviously in terms of like look wise perception it looks better yeah. But in terms of actually getting auditions and for casting, do you find that uh, that's a lot of times they only focus on clients that have this bigger agent and how is that relationship with you? Like, do you feel like you usually get, it, it works better with these bigger agencies, works better with a boutique? Yeah. Um, I think it's all about where you are in your career, right? That um, it is absolutely possible to go to a big agency too quickly. Um, and it is, super possible to get lost in the shuffle there. Um, my feeling is, is that the transition to one of the top 10, right? The, the ICMs and the, and the, you know, CAAs and the WMEs of the world, um, 
should occur when in an ideal world when they are coming to you right because that's the only way you have any leverage um within the structure of how those places work if you are going to them again unless you your best friend that you grew up to like next to on the street and is a new junior agent there and you know that they want to spend their um capital within the agency getting your career off the ground then fine be a development person that has an agent at CAA um but if that's not your situation i think you need to wait until the CAAs of the world are coming to you because you've been a series regular on an HBO limited series and they are now frankly trying to poach you from whatever awesome boutique that you are at currently and it doesn't mean you have to be poached right there are there there are actors out there that have stayed with their boutiques even when they have gotten in really really big into that A-list level and and I think that that's awesome right because they're they're sticking with the people that got them there but that doesn't mean that the people that make the jump there's anything wrong with that because the fact of the matter is at least for the time being because it looks like the WGA unfortunately is not going to get as far as they would like on the packaging thing the imp Hollywood runs on information, right? And so the reason why you want to be at one of these big agencies is because they have the information before anyone else does because they are also repping the writer that movie just got greenlit and they are there is an internal email that is going around in that agency saying send me your ideas for who should be in so and so's thing that just got greenlit before there's even a casting director attached right, right? so they're all kind of packaged into it basically yeah so that's yeah. the reason to be at that agency however you want your name being sent around on that list and the only way that happens is if you are already at a level where your name has a dollar sign on it right and where your agents at that agency are going to spend their capital within the agency on you because they need to be able to put your name on that email that goes around and have every agent in that agency who's doing the same thing say oh that makes sense right um because someone else is you know repping whoever that is on a show right now that is blowing up and they're also saying what about this person for this right um, and so that's where the boutique thing can be really valuable because you don't have all those politic internal agency politics that you're kind of having to navigate. Um, and so, you know, so I think for, you know, our clients that are with these bigger agencies, it's because they waited until they had exhausted everything that they could do with that boutique and the, the bigger agency came to them and so our working relationship with that big agency is fantastic right because that team that is repping them is totally on board they they came they approached them so yeah. they have to prove that the making the jump from the boutique was the right thing 
And they are now in the position of they go out, they find these projects, they are, there's as much stuff coming from the agency to us as the reverse. And that's just, the deal. I just always wonder if like, let's say one of these big agency poaches you, like they might want to be like, hey, well, why don't you come over to Brillstein, you know, there or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like we can bring you to even a bigger management management company than, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And that, and that goes on, I'm sure. And, sure. and so again, that's about, that just putting you right back in that place as an actor, what is best for your business as an actor? And if they say, you know, if they, if they try to do that and you've been with your manager for 15 years and your manager has gotten you here and your manager helped you navigate that jump. Right. And now they're saying, now you should go with this other management company, you know, later manager. Well, that's the thing is that, yeah. And I think you, then you have, then you as the CEO of your business, who've right. just hired this agency need to say uh, not happening that if it isn't happening, right? If you have this great relationship with your management company, be like not happening, dude. And if you want to continue to have a positive working relationship with me, you will never bring this up again. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but you can only do that if you feel like they are working for you and you only will feel like they are working for you if they've, essentially poached you, right? Because if it's the reverse, if you've gone to them sort of begging to be represented there, then who's got the power, right? In that relationship. And so you might not feel comfortable saying, but I don't want to let go of my manager, right? Right. And so, and then you might actually kind of get down a rat hole of being repped by people that don't see eye to eye with you and all of a sudden you're, you know, unfortunately stuck in some show playing some role that you hate, which is awful. Um, I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, that's fine. I know. I know. Most people <laughs> are saving right now. But. Yeah, any, any role would work for me. Exactly. Uh, the, la the last quick question I had for you was, uh, so, and this is a more on a personal side. Um, so if you're looking at management and uh, like, for example, recently I was, I was, uh, taking a look at some new management and um, I had talked to a reputable company, but the manager that was there was newer and all uh, the clients were more developmental. Um, like none of the clients really had been on a lot of something that something that was very significant necessarily. Um, what are your thoughts of being with a company that is a recognizable name, but the manager is fairly new and none of their clients have really, because I feel like sometimes it's a way of gauging like what, where you might end up or where you might go. Yeah. But uh, you know, I'm not sure if that really matters necessarily. I mean, I think, you know, if, the, I guess I would say like, did you feel like that manager was like a hustler in, in the best way in the sense that like, are they, they knew, but you feel like this is, the job they want and they are super excited about it. And like, they see themselves as being a manager for the next like 25 years. You know what I mean? Like, right. Or yeah, I would say rapport is good, but it's like, but when you look at roster wise, you're kind of like, well, um, you would probably be their best client. Let's just say that. Yeah. Which maybe isn't necessarily a bad thing. Right. Because yeah. then you can, you can demand attention in a way that like, and I would do, I would do that, demand that attention. If you are, if you're the best client on that person's roster, like 
then make them earn, like make them keep you, right? You've got to like, you've got to keep your position as that and understand and understand sort of that, you know, if you're not seeing the traction from them, um, then, then I think that's when you can go to, because if they're at a bigger company, I think you should also, you know, they have the advantage of having the resources that that company brings, right? So they right. have the internal knowledge that company might get the grids, that company, they have bosses that have relationships, right? Um, and so then that's just about, you know, really fostering the relationship with them so that they feel comfortable going to their boss if something is kind of above them, right? So that, but that's when you've got to ask for that. You've got to, because you know that company, the company has that power, right? So if you, if the hypothetical is that like, you hear about this movie that you would be really perfect for and you say you want them to get you in the room and they're, and they're like, yeah, I'm trying. I just, then, then you have to say, well, who at whatever company this is can help us with this and make them go to their boss or make them play on a relationship. And you can demand that if you're the best, if you're the most lucrative, you know, earning client on their roster, right, right. the biggest client on their roster in a way that you might not be able to, if you're sort of a mid-level client on a different roster. Sure. Um, so, but again, I think that's just part of, you've got to, you've got to run your business, right? And right. you've got to put their feet to the fire to, work for you um you know and i am not look I, I think most actors need to give representation at least a year if not two to you know you've got to foster the relationship you've got to build it you've got to see i think you know all of us in town know there are people that that rep hop and we know who they are because we all talk and so you know if you if you've had 10 reps in the last year that's not great um, oh, so 10 in a year whoa <laughs> you know what I mean you must have had two at once yeah exactly it's, but you know what I'm saying like but even you if you even if you've had four reps in the last two years in you know four different managers in the last two years that's a little scary to me to bring you on to the roster yeah. but you also shouldn't stay too long if the person really isn't getting you where you need to be then you have to just respectfully move on you know what I mean but yeah I think you know to answer your specific question in that scenario Again, it just comes back to who do you believe sees your career the way you see your career and is going to work to make that happen for you. Right. Very wise. Perfect, perfect sense. Yeah. A lot of wisdom dropped in this podcast, I feel. Totally. Trying, totally. Trying, to, trying to drop the wisdom. Any other, any other questions, guys? I know Jess. We've I have a question. Jess, where can our audience find you? Uh, me, I am, I am a <laughs> person. Or Santera, whatever, I, whatever you want. So, I, yes, I am on Instagram, but I'm terrible at it. Um, but yeah, Santera is at Santera Picks, um, on, on the gram. Um, we're also at, you know, SanteraPicks.com, um, on, on the good old interwebs. So you can go to our website um and check us out there and obviously listed on imdb and and as we're centera entertainment this is the <laughs> this is the we started as a uh, production company and and kind of expanded so you'll see centera entertainment and centera pictures sort of used interchangeably at this point so no cold emails 
yeah. no, no cold emails, but we do have a submission form on our website. Um, oh, there you go. Perfect. That, and so, and you know, we do that because like, I, I, I know there are talented people out there that, that just need, you know, just need to start. So I, I'm always down to look at, you know, we do look at every email that comes in. Um, we don't, I can't possibly respond to all of them, but if you write me a smart query letter and you have something cool and you have, you are, you are closing the interview, you know, I'm bringing it, I'm going to check it out. So, so, uh, real quick, I mean, uh, you know, I know you, uh, obviously represents, uh, several people that, that we know Yeah. Who, who's the biggest diva. <laughs> I, I, obviously I, I, her, her husband. I got to feel like, I, I don't know, this guy named Brian Galise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Real pain in the ass. He's, I, 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 my first client and my biggest diva. So there you go. Um, All right. There you Brian's go. the man. Brian is, Brian's the man, the myth, the diva, the legend. No. Yes. Yeah, good guy. Good guy. See, see him on Westworld last exactly. year. That's true. There exactly. you go. Exactly. So, cool. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Jess. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Thanks um, for having me. Uh, be and safe and uh, healthy during this, uh, crazy time. Yeah, uh, you guys too. Yeah. Later, everybody. Bye. The best, Jess.